The Hello Health Clinic now offers one-time consultations through video visits. Our most popular is the Lifestyle Assessment, which is a 360-degree picture of your health and well-being across eight dimensions. Get started today. Visit our website at hellohealthclinic.com. Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. In this episode, we're talking about the power of setting your intention. I think when you set an intention, you are much more likely to have behavioral changes based on those intentions. January is a great time to master the restart. Let's take stock of where we are. Is this still the intention we want to set? Before we get started today, I just want to thank all of you who took the time to rate and review the show. We can't keep going without your support, and these days, ratings and reviews really do matter. If you haven't already left a review, please do it today. I'm so happy to welcome back to the show my friend, colleague, and chief relationship officer for Hello Health, Megan Davies. Megan, how are you on this cold, rainy day? I'm good. I'm, you know, a couple weeks into 2021, and it has been an interesting start to the year already. (laughs) This is really my least favorite running weather, but I'm proud to say I got in my 6.5 miles this morning, and my special running jacket is keeping me going on my New Year's resolution, so there's that. (laughs) There is that. You're going to have to tell me what running jacket you got so that I can invest in that as well. (laughs) Absolutely, I will. I'm short in my closet, a running jacket, and it was on my it was on my list for for holiday giving, and I did not get that. <laughs> that's too bad. Hey, maybe that's a good birthday present for you. I've been looking for a good idea. That would be incredible. Since I bought my husband two running jackets, so he's <laughs> it's so not fair. he's set to go. <laughs> Well, you know, I I wanted to talk to you today because during our business retreat this year, you mentioned an interesting tradition you and your husband, Tim, used to get momentum going in the new year. Do you mind sharing more about that? Not at all. I think what we learned um, from our past experience is that we felt like New Year's resolutions didn't really work for us, that we really felt like going into a the new year, we meet, really need to make some time to reflect on ourselves, kind of our actions and our emotions um, for a lot of reasons. You know, I think it's important that you get in a habit of noticing your own thoughts and emotions, the decisions you're making and how those impact your behavior. Because so I think when you set an intention, you are much more likely to have behavioral changes based on those intentions. Oh, so my that's, goodness. Interesting. Of course, you're focused on the emotional life and, and, you know, you are the chief relationship officer. So, you know, tell me more about like, okay, there's all this stuff on the fridge and you're charting all these things. Like what is actually going into making these cool things happen for you guys? So we actually have a set of questions um, that we go through together. And I'll talk how that goes differently for both of us. But it starts off with, am I using my time wisely? How am I using my time during the day, week, or month? Um, Because I think we often find ourselves, you know, bogged down with tasks that are really not meaningful or not really developing relationships. And so I think it gives you a good view of where you're investing your time. And you can make deliberate shifts based on um, answering that question. You know, the second question that um, I think is really important, too, is am I taking anything for granted? Those things could be people in your life. It could be your health. It could be, um, you know, your friends. But what are you taking for granted? Because that's the space that you need to make in your life um, 
to make sure that you are spending time and, and resources on things that fill your cup and fill other people's cups too. Wow. You know, and then from an emotional perspective, am I employing a healthy perspective? And kind of as a follow-up question to that, can I separate fact from feelings? And why I always ask those questions is we actually have, you know, behave or have thoughts based on our reactions to things and how we feel about them and how we feel may be very, very different than the reality of a situation. So I think it's a really important question um, to ask yourself. And I mean, I think in time, unprecedented times like we're having in our country, I think a lot of us may be reacting um, from a feelings perspective and, and and maybe not based on fact. And so I think it helps us take a step back and go, okay, what's really driving how I'm thinking and how I'm behaving? Um, my favorite question, though, is about authenticity, is am I living true to myself? Am I authentic in my interactions with myself and others? And so that was one of our joint mantras for the year is, and we wrote on our, um, if you go into our laundry room, we have a big chalkboard painted wall. And one of the things that we agreed on as a couple was 100% authentic all year. And I think that can be really scary, right? Because depending on how you show up and where you show up, you feel like you've got to put on a mask to fit in, you know, at, at a specific place. How you show up at work may be different than how you show up with your kids. Mm, absolutely. Very different for how you show up at a, a committee meeting. And, you know, I think it is really important to be authentic and uh, and shine through, let that shine through, because then I think how you connect with people is going to be much more meaningful. There's so much in what you just said. So I'm going to go back actually to the beginning and okay. and get you to suss out more for me, okay? Because okay. that was so amazing. Let's, let's dive into that. So let's talk about time use. And one of the things that I love about this is time is the thing we can never get back. You know, we can we can make more money. We, we can heal from injuries we cause to ourselves in relationships and in our bodies very commonly. But you can never get this time on earth back. And we don't know how much time we actually do have. So tell me more about how you figure out that you're using your time in a meaningful way. I, for me, I look to feel um, energized instead of depleted, right? Mm. So if I look at you know, I have a tendency to look at my calendar for a week at a time, right? And so while I have meetings and clients on the calendar, I also have a side-by-side to-do list that backs up to the things or the intentions that I've set. So, you know, while I this week had to follow up with my OBGYN and my dentist, I also put in the intention of three of my very close friends that I haven't talked to since the beginning of um, the new year that I wanted to make sure I reached out and scheduled time to talk to them, even if it was a five minute conversation that they're really important. And I wanted to make space for those things. So I think it's saving space in your calendar for the things that are important to you. Same thing. I am very, um, protective of my lunch hour. My lunch hour is when we do social distance workouts in the building that I live in. And so music to my ears. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, I generally try to leave a block of two hours in the middle of the day so that I can commit to that and then commit to making sure I have something to eat and getting my head settled before I sit down and see some additional clients. So I think it is um, committing it to a piece of paper, committing it to your calendar, whether that's an electronic or or written calendar. You know, I actually have both, but I find that having the written calendar and, and putting it in writing myself helps me keep that intention and, and save the space for those things that are important. 
You know, I do that too. I also um, write my time use down by hand and plan for my my schedule in a dot journal, actually. So that's oh, how do you? I make sure I, I do the single most important thing each week and each month and each quarter. Um, so that's interesting that we're both doing that independently of each other. You know, what I love about what you've said is um, you, you put yourself into your schedule and you do that first. And the most meaningful things go in first. And you call it saving time. I call it kind of like time defense or like just if I don't have it on the calendar as protected time, I would go through that with task lists all day long, you know, so it keeps me off of that treadmill. And I do think that one of the most powerful things that Hello Health does inside of its system is get people to put themselves back into their schedule, which kind of ladders us into what are you taking for granted? Because very often, you know, our our good health in our 20s and our 30s allows us to take our health for granted. So what do you and Tim think about taking things for granted? And why did that question come into this tradition? I think it, it begins to happen after you get out of your 20s and 30s. And there are probably enlightened people who think about it differently in their 20s and 30s. But I think, to your point, um, both Tim and I probably took our health for granted And I think as you get older and some of those normal wears and tears happen, right? I mean, arthritis runs in my family. So starting in my late 40s, that's something that that, um, showed up for me. We know that we want to treat our bodies kindly. And so one of the intentions this year uh, that went on Tim's list was healthy living must um, include yoga and core. So he's doing all the right things. He's, He's adjusted his eating habits and did a really, really great job with that. He's been running and, you know, up to six miles. And so, you know, he's tackled those two things, but where he is, you know, seeing some pain and some weakness has to do with his core, right? So the core is offsetting his lower back and and that's really important that he works on it. And so it was nice to see him really be intentional and say, you know, I know that I don't love yoga, but I know it's good for me. Um, And so we have made that intention to then incorporate that into things we do together, Um, as a couple. And so my commitment to him to help him with his intention was to set aside um, three 20 minute time slots at night that that's something we would do together. What a wonderful um, partnership. I mean, beyond beyond your committed marriage, you know, what a wonderful thing to have a partner in your health. <laughs> and I know you're a yoga believer. So, it, you know, when totally. you're a non-believer, it's good to be with a believer. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, go Tim. Okay. <laughs> right. But I also think he got to see I was not a yoga believer when I started. Yeah. Uh, at first yeah, either. Absolutely. And then I think it really does. It changes it changes so many things, including how strong you are, because you're doing so many positions where you're holding up your whole body weight, right? Um, and so then the strength and the stamina that gives you is very different uh, than other forms of exercise. And going back to setting an intention, if you think about a yoga practice, generally it's opened and closed with an intention. So I feel like that you know, is a nice loop all the way around. Well, having done yoga with you, I don't envy Tim. You are a very strong individual. (laughs) Well, I'm just glad I started earlier instead of later, right? (laughs) You know, uh, I think a lot of us don't think about yoga as a strength um, based activity, but it really is, especially when you do it with uh, Megan Davies folks. 
Well, thank you. I, I am not nearly as advanced as some of these these yoga instructors are who are doing handstands and everything else. But you know, I'm working my way up to a crow, which is holding all my wow. all my weight on my two hands. So. I'm so impressed right now. I'm a little daunted, but that's okay. <laughs> so, tell me more about the question: Am I employing a healthy perspective? I think what um, I have found personally and what I've seen with the clients that I work with is there's so much in the world that can create anxiety, right? And yeah. so if you watch the news, and it doesn't even have to be now, if you've watched the news over the last several years, you know, there's a lot of uncomfortable, disturbing images to be consumed. And so I think it's very easy to let all of that into your head and, and impact how you're feeling. And so when you're employing a healthy perspective, it's saying, you know, when have you had enough that you need to step away? One of the things I learned personally is I do a much better job consuming news in a, in a healthy way if I'm reading it instead of seeing it. There's something visceral that happens when I'm watching really difficult images on a screen. And so what I've said to myself this year, although there's been a lot going on, I'm consuming my news by reading it mm -hmm. instead of looking at the images. And so that is allowed um, for me to be able to take a step back and not take in all of the emotions that come with the really hard things that are happening right now. And I think that's important is knowing when, when to step back, when you've taken in um, too much that's creating um, anxiety or just a whole flood of emotions that you're not ready to deal with at that time. And so I think it's important to say, is how I'm feeling based on real facts or is this an emotional response? And I think that's the first step in the process is realizing that you just may be having an emotional response and maybe it's time to take a step back and sit with that emotion and figure out what's really driving it. You know, um, that's so, so compelling, Megan. I mean, I, I've reached the point where sometimes I just need a news break and I have to just turn off the radio and all of my news notifications altogether and not watch the news for weeks at a time. It doesn't mean that I'm not, I don't care about what's going on in the world. It just means, like you said, I just... Uh, I feel negative that, that my, you know, my first thought would be a negative one. And I am very clear that we all have to woo positivity. I think very few of us realize that the human brain has six very quick acting ways to view threats and negative things that are going to hurt us. And only two very slow acting ways to feel positively. So this stepping back and away from negative things is absolutely the first thing to do. I just think it's so cool that you and Tim have been able to make this part of your system and make this part of your partnership together. Let's talk about setting the intention. What makes it so powerful? You know, I think when you set an intention, it's really about how you want to show up in your life. Um, and I think that it also helps with some individual and joint accountability, right? It's like speaking, speaking it into existence, right? You've said it out loud, you've written it down. Um, and I think that that way becomes something you can go back to and say, okay, this is what my intention was. Where am I? And instead of like a new year's resolution, you're like, okay, well, I've decided I don't want to do that anymore. When you've set something intentionally, you're using self-reflection and designated time to look at those intentions and saying, Am I living up to the intention that I set for the year? And if I'm not, what do I need to do differently to get back to this intention that I've said is so very important? 
And as a funny aside, there are two intentions that um, my husband and I agreed on a year ago that we both have tattoos. I know not everybody's a tattoo fan, but mine is <gasps> mine is be brave Aww. and his is be present. And so, you know, that for both of us, um, that is part of our chalkboard wall. And that's those intentions that are not just a year long thing. It's it's how we want to live um, the rest of our lives. I mean, for me, being brave is I think about how many times is uh, female in in the workforce that we are apologizing for giving our oh, opinions absolutely. or not showing up completely or feeling intimidated about, you know, being strong in our beliefs. And so I know that that I used to resemble all of those comments. And what I said to myself is what I have to say is important. It's okay. If people don't agree with me, but I need to be brave enough and authentic enough to speak what my truth is. And I think more and more women need to be able to do that so that we can expand those seats at the table, right? And build our own resilience um, when things can be challenging for us. So Megan, that really ladders back to me for like how you and I think about whole brain health, right? So what, you know, we talk about how there's there's the brain itself, the the actual organ that's all squiggly that has neurons inside of it and, you know, all this padding right inside of your cranium. But then there's your mind. And with setting the intention, the piece of the brain you're activating is called the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is like the CEO of your mind. And we often take it for granted that it's only while we're setting the intention that the CEO of the brain is working. But instead, your brain works for you like in the background of your consciousness, right? And so this is so super cool that you are intentionally making your brain work for you in this very holistic way. I just I just love it. I mean, I know I made it all academic and you went to br- be brave and I'm like, wow, I, I wish I could be a little bit more brave. <laughs> well, but I think what you're saying is is right on. I mean, I think that's why I chose from a theoretical orientation to practice mostly cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, it is the most researched and most sound um, form of therapy. Not that there aren't un- other ones that are wonderful, but at the end of the day, what you do with cognitive behavioral therapy is you're rewiring your brain and how you approach um any situation, right? And that you can, it can really improve um, how healthy you are in responding to a, a specific situation by really challenging how you're thinking about it and knowing that whatever your thoughts are, they do impact your feelings and they do impact your behavior and you can take control of that. Now it does, it does take practice and it's like a, like being resilient. You have to practice at it, right? But over time, just like a muscle, you can build that muscle cognitively so that how you look at things can change dramatically. Absolutely. You know, what you pay attention to will grow. And if you if you don't let yourself pay attention to the positive, the default is the negative. Yeah, absolutely. So important. It's kind of like having um, like new software installed on your hardware. It is the upgrade. <laughs> um, you know, upway, upgrades can be really painful. Um, they take time and space. <laughs> So lastly, you talked about, am I being authentic? And for you, that's being brave. How do we know when we're being authentic for ourselves? Is it just reflection that helps us arrive there? I think that's a really good question. You know, I 
when I, kind of what the bar I use to determine if someone's being authentic, like if you are, if you're participating in a conversation at work or at home in your personal life and you feel like you can't speak your truth or you find yourself censoring what you're going to say because of the audience, I think that's inauthentic. And it doesn't mean that you have to be brash in the the delivery, but I think it's okay to have differences of opinion, right? I think what we've not learned um, in the last maybe decade or so is that you can have disagreements or difference of opinion, and it's as long as you can back that up with facts and have a really good conversation. And we're so far away from having good conversations, right? And I think it is important that you have people in your circle who think differently than you do. But I think it's feeling comfortable being able to express your beliefs and who you are um, without that fear of being judged for it. Or if people are judging you, that's really a reflection of them and not of you. And I think that's the hardest part for us as human beings, right? When we are our our authentic selves and people disagree with that or try to invalidate that, instead of saying it's, it's on them, we take that personally or we internalize that and think something is wrong with us. And so I think to really be authentic, it's saying, you know, I'm going to say this at work and I understand that my coworker might not agree with it or might not like it, but that's their reaction. That is not necessarily a reflection of, of my self-worth or my opinion or my competency at my job. Wow. Just wow. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the hardest thing for all of us to do? It is. It really is. And um, it's amazing how hard it is. But the fact that we are just saying that it is hard helps us rise to the occasion. And maybe we don't nail it that first time, but we get better and better, just like a muscle, right? Like that this is a skill. Being able to be authentic is a skill. Being able to be intentional is a skill. And if we, if we try and we start from one point and we make enough time, eventually will arrive where we envision we could go. And it always helps to have people who will hold you accountable. I mean, I do remember I serve on a board and I knew that my opinions were very different from other board members. And I would start everything I said with, I'm sorry, but. And one of the other board members who'd been on the board longer pulled me aside and said, we actually do want to hear what you have to say. So stop apologizing. What you have to say is valid. You know, and I didn't realize how ingrained the starting with the apology was. So that was the work I had to do. I don't need to apologize for feeling that way. What's the biggest difference this tradition in January makes for you as a couple? I think it allows us to take stock of where we are both as a couple and individually. And I think it really helps us show up for each other, right? Um, You know, because what we want to work on this year is is so public, right? Whether you're looking at the calendar on our refrigerator or you're looking at the blackboard in, in the laundry room, which I see every day. Um, it's a good reminder that are we showing up and doing the things that we, you know, that we want to do. If I look at, you know, Tim's, he was like, what did I learn today? You know, that's how he wants to approach every day. He wants to learn something. Um, who do I need to spend time with? Um, that cares about me. And, you know, I already talked about his healthy living and mine was really about um, cultivating relationships with people that were important to me, but we both landed on the cultivating relationships. He says, I need more dude friends, meaning himself. And (laughs) I, I, there's, there's probably six or seven people in my life that, that I really care about. And I just need to do a better job of showing up for them as well. And so I think 
finding some things that we are on the same page about is helpful. And then knowing how we can support each other on the things that are not as important to us each individually, but I want to be there for him and support him and kind of check in. And so, you know, what we've decided is that's something we do about once a month as we check in with each other and say, okay, let's take stock of where we are. Is this still the intention we want to set? Generally it is. And if we're not living it up, living up to it, why aren't we? And exploring that a little bit and getting ourselves back on track, which is again, very different than a new year's resolution, right? It's, I think it goes back to um, one of our favorite workshops, which is mastering the restart, right? When you're, when you're that's doing, right. it does. when you're set doing a reset, that's all you're doing. And I think that's the better thing about an intention versus a resolution is it's okay if you've gotten off track, you know, you just have to go back to what your intention is and be much more um, deliberate, deliberate and hold yourself accountable for that oh, too. Yeah. And let's push that thought even further. Expect that you're going to be off track. Yeah. Right. So that's where your accountability partner, where you've already set this up, where you have a system where there's accountability inside another person. So you don't have to do it all yourself. So what's super cool about the two of you is I wonder how often your accountability partner is your spouse or partner. Right. The person you're committed to for the rest of your life. Um, so that's pretty cool about the two of you and maybe unique to the two of you. But in terms of anticipating that there are going to be obstacles, I heard a couple of things in what you said, that there are reminders in obvious places in your house. And um, it's kind of and on our bodies, by the way, <laughs> on your bodies. Like, you tattooed this. Like. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's neat. It's it's super awesome. And back to like mastering the restart, for example, which is one of our workshops. It really speaks to um, a huge skill that you two have already pretty much mastered. Mastering the restart is one of my favorite workshops to facilitate. Um, and so, just just for folks who don't know. There are three skills within the Hello Health system, and Mastering the Restart is the skill of expecting for life to happen and being practical about getting back on track. And there's five steps to that skill. There's The first is recognizing the need to get restarted. The second is hit pause. The third is find the right starting line for you. The fourth is have a training program. And the fifth is step back so you can gain perspective. And Megan, a lot of what you've just said really does, you know, align to each of those steps. But I wonder if we've missed a step in the workshop, which is setting the intention. Setting the intention is the most important part, which will make the rest of the system work, right? And I think it when you think about setting that intention, it's like, how do I really want to show up in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, it helps you um, manifest your values, which makes all the rest of these steps so powerful. It, because it's your motivator, right? It's the it's the it's the mm-hmm. what I'll call the north star that you come back to, and then that system helps you attain that higher level of of being in the world, right? And how you are showing up, and you're able to do that for yourself first, and then the people that you love and care about. Which then ladders back to authenticity which is, I think, what we all, at the end of the day, you know, if we showed up for the people that we love and we did it in an authentic way, I mean, that is, you know, the ingredient for life well-lived, isn't it? It is. Well, what Master of the Restart is my favorite workshop to facilitate. What's, what's yours? So I think 
I'm a big lover, um, and, and you and I have facilitated it together for uh, Leaders Under Fire, and I will tell you why, because it resonates with me so much personally. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, you know, because I think the being able to name it is such a missing piece for leaders, right? It's like they know they feel something. They know it's uncomfortable. But how do you really put a name on it? And I think that's the first step in making changes is being able to put your finger on exactly what's what's going on. But I also love um, our approach to anxiety as well. And I think so many leaders do experience anxiety. And because they can't name it, they're not actually addressing um, proactively sure. what they can do. Mm-hmm. So this would be manage managing anxiety. anxiety so it doesn't manage you. That works out. Exactly that right. a good one. Yeah. We got some good stuff, right? Going. <laughs> I know. And, and I needed that workshop like 10 years I ago. I know. Me too. I needed it 20 years ago. <laughs> Um, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time here today with me. Do you mind giving us some action steps? What are the key takeaways? So I would say um, instead of a New Year's resolution, make time to reflect on yourself, your actions, and your emotions, and use probably four key questions in that process, which is, am I using my time wisely? How am I using my time during the day, week, or month? Am I taking anything for granted? Am I employing a healthy perspective? Can I separate fact from feelings? Number four, am I living true to myself? Am I authentic in my interactions with myself and others? And there are a few other questions, but I'll put those together for us to be able to upload on um, the website as a follow-up. Absolutely. And we'll drop these really great questions into the show notes so it'll be really easy to find Um, and also if you're interested in hosting a hello health workshop you can just go to our brand new website hellohealthtoday.com lots of great resources for you there Um, vegan it's been so much fun i hope you'll come back um, a little later on in the season absolutely thank you for having me it's always (laughs) fun Please take the time right now to rate and review us. It helps other people find us. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.